0: Okay, so today's special guest is Frank Griegan, winging it with Painter and Rico. Thanks, Frank, for, well, Dave, where's he to? Somewhere very hot, by the look of it. Yeah, Frank, <laughs> thanks for taking the time out to speak to us, and, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have a fair few stories.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it, to be honest. I just hope I don't get sunstroke on me back yet, you know. Till it <laughs> um, yeah. Just yeah, got to yeah, get yeah. on with it, I suppose. Just got to try and hack it, haven't you? How's the golf handicap? Oh, abysmal. I, I took yeah. up golf when I was eighteen, and within three months I was off eighteen. I'm sixty-four and I'm off twenty-one, so it's obviously not my sport, is it? But yeah, I'm loving it. I, I played, you know, I played twice already this week. Here, so it's um, I live on a golf course. I actually, live on a golf course. So. You know, you get enough golf. I, I try and play golf three times a week and I play paddle tennis twice a week and you've got to rest the limbs for two of them. But yeah, keep myself as active yeah, as I possibly man. can. To be and you've been in Spain, how long? Um, ooh, I think this is me, well, I know it's me 13th year. Yeah, 13 year now. Yeah, which part of Spain, Frank? It's, um. I'm in place by um. about two hours south of Alicante. Just north of Valmori on the coastline, it's place, the place place is actually called Mahaka, and it's um it's one of them hidden gems, believe it or not. It's the um it's the biggest uh, holiday resort for the Spanish. The Spanish don't go where the Brits go, obviously. They go where you know to get a bit of peace and quiet. It's a lovely coastal area. So yeah, I'm down here. Nice. So Brian, let's let's start off with with your playing
0: career, uh, right. because I knew injury forced you to quit at a fairly young age um yeah where did you where did did you start
1: well like you know to be honest tony i don't think there was ever a start and there's ever been an end everything seems to be perpetual um i've only got two medals um in the entire life because I, i just when you move you chuck them out don't you um so i've got one medal i've got a medal that i first won when i was eight years old and I've got um, the one when we got the trophy final, there are only two that I kept. So I suppose it started, if I won a medal at eight, I must have started around about then, but it was just such a different time in them days, you know. Um, these days, parents run their kids around everywhere. I mean, most of my mates, the parents didn't even have cars, you know, it was um, a case of if you wanted to, to do anything. If you were playing for the school, you had to get a bus if you were away from home, you know jump on the council of buses. So um, Newcastle basically they've de- de- divided east and west. I'm from the west end of Newcastle and the main boys club there is called Montague and North Venom. And the main one on the east side is Wall's End. Um, Wall's End has produced Darling Shearer, Peter Beardsley, Michael Caddick, Steve Boos, you know, the list goes on and on. The one on our side, Montague, produced Kevin Richardson, who played for Aston Villa, and that's your lord, basically. Um, So, yeah, I I, I was there, but I mean, I left Newcastle, I was actually, I was a 14 year old when I signed on for the army, it was a week before my 15th birthday. And um, you know I was gone at 15 and then so, so did, you, did you go into a military prep school when you were 14 because that's, no, that's no, your... no, no 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 straight in in you go um wow. it's it's a case of I didn't really want to you know I mean I haven't got it I haven't got one GCSE let alone an O level and my old mum wouldn't let me leave school unless I had a job to go to. And I've got a there's a bit of, a, of military history in in, in, in my family, and so so much my grandfather was a fusilier, which is the which is the infantry from the area that I belong to, the Royal Regiment fusiliers. And so my grandfather been in, my uncle was in, and um, you know, they come around almost um press gang in you around the schools, and there was no way I was gonna go. Um but you know they're very very persuasive and how they managed to con me was um when i was I, i'm from the generation that took the 11 plus and um only the Catholics used to take it because the protestants the cv e schools had stopped so i was um i was like number two and three in my class at primary school i was always right up there at the top but i went to a cv e, um uh, cv C, C school on a council estate in Newcastle you know so people weren't the brightest without being unkind then I took this 11 plus and I was up against kids who'd been at catholic schools where you know it was much stricter down the regime was much, much harder, and I, I flunked it, absolutely failed, 11 plus, and everybody thought I was swinging it because I wanted to stay with my mates, but I wasn't. I absolutely bombed, and me mother went um, down to the Civic Centre and kicked up hell, you know, he couldn't failed it, he's really intelligent, but I had, i absolutely flunked. But they gave me a place at a technical school, which is on the other side of Newcastle, and I used to have to get up in my school uniform, wear shorts, you know, at 11 year old, at senior school carrying a briefcase, changed buses in the city centre. That lasted really well, you know, I got kicked out of there after six months and I was back with my mates in comprehensive school. And, but when I was at that um, Catholic, school, uh, Catholic school, they made you learn a musical instrument and I could play the trombone. So that's how the army suckered me in. They said, you can be a bandsman, you don't have to be a soldier. And so I signed up, I believed them. And um, you've got to do six weeks infantry training before you join the band. And Lo and behold, at the end of my six weeks training, they pulled me in and said, You're not joining the band. I said, I am. He said, Stand in the corner, stand to attention, tell me when you don't want to be a bandsman. That was the end of my musical career. I could have been Paul McCartney if that hadn't happened. Yeah. Who knows? I but thought- that was it. I never got to blow a trumpet all the time, I was there, or anything. Um so yeah, that was it. Yeah. I think, you know, when you're talking football, my career comes in two parts really. Um it's there's two direct lanes, and one was scouting and one was managing. And the um they're both in tandem and they were both as important as the other, but a scouting was what really got me on the ladder, I think, because my um, first ever gig was I was Newcastle's Australia scout. and Jim Smith, the point gave me the gig as the um, scout for Newcastle in Australia, which was a job in the chocolate factory, you know, it was no to do, really. Um, the paradox is the first time I ever saw Nigel Spink, I think the only time I ever saw Nigel Spink play in England National, because I don't think he played anymore, was in Australia. For Sydney uh, and in Sydney for England against Australia, the 1 1 0. And um, you know, about 20 years later, I signed them And then when I got the sack, he took over from me. So, you know, sort of like went full circle, really. But I come back from Australia, and then um, on the Scanton side, Jim Smith had left, and I was the idealist that took off at Newcastle. And so, Jim Smith then gave me, I've got a gig at Portsmouth. um i right. so, but okay. Jim Smith. Great character. I, I didn't really know, Tony. You know, that's but, the thing. I mean, You've got to bear in mind, I'm not low down the pecking order. I mean, when I was at Arsenal, I went from Portsmouth to Arsenal, and I was really that low down the pecking order. I used to make the tea lady coffee. You know, it was really that bad. Um, we got the two cup finals in one year against Sheffield Wednesday. Both of them were against Sheffield Wednesday. I didn't even get a ticket. You know, it was that, That's how important I was. Um, but they were great. And But yeah, I had to do it because soldiers don't make good money. You know, we really don't. It was a way of... Um, I used to play and earn a couple of bob whenever I was posted and I was able to, and and scouting used to pay you a few bob. I remember when I was at Arsenal, I never hadn't received me me pay and my expenses, and it was like the third of the month, and I phoned up my gaffer. It was a guy called Tony Gibbs. He was an absolutely lovely guy, and I rang him up and I said, Tony, I haven't received my expenses and my wages, and he said, Frank. This is Arsenal Football Club one doesn't worry about money you know and it's all sort of like all oh, right not like the other clubs I've been Then where it's a bit of a priority so um yeah I was at Arsenal and again right down the pecking order uh, but I was I was coaching at Warminster so when I come back I went and coached there Um I did coach I was the coach staff and then you know it was rubbish to be perfectly honest it was the Western League and it wasn't really you know, it wasn't for me. Um, Paul Wilson was doing Yeovil, he had the academy at, at Yeovil and I used to do a bit with Willow and send players his way. Steve Rutter was the manager there and then uh, they said, I think it was Willow said to me, Andover looking for somebody, Andover and um, that was bizarre. I went there, had a year there and that was just the most amazing experience ever. The German. I'm I'm afraid, I hope I'm not going to be speaking ill of the dead. Last time I checked, he was alive, but he, what a, what a character. It was Ken Cunningham Brown, the racehorse trainer. And, um, you know, he wasn't a racehorse trainer. He just wasn't on on paper, but um, he had a jockey who did it all for him. And uh, it, Ken Cunningham Brown was the football manager, but he wasn't. He had somebody who did it all for him, who was mean. He just paid people to do these jobs for him. And uh, he was—he was, you know—he he was. Look, don't get me wrong, he was great to work for, but he just—I don't—I don't know what his motivation was. I remember we played swanage away, and we were one um, nil down, and we got about back to two one late on, and I've swapped and gone. Five at the back. And he said, like, What are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, I'm just showing it up, make sure we don't, we don't we don't concede, you know, we're two on up. He said, uh, no, I want to keep it the same way. We can score another two. I said, we can't. We're gonna to get to on one and break with stain as we are. You don't know what you're talking about. We're staying as we are. Anyway, he gets off the park, and afterwards he said to me, I don't care what happens, I just want to be in charge. And I thought, Oh god, okay. Um so it was a bizarre situation. I did one season there. Uh, we won promotion um, to the Sun League and they never took it because they didn't want to step up, didn't want to go to the next level. You only played two games of any significance and they were both against Wimborne, home and away because they were the, the, the bees and knees at the time. They'd been winning the FA bars, et cetera. And we lost both of them. It was two games that mattered. We lost both of them to, to Wimborne. But I enjoyed it. You know, it was good fun. And um, from. It's from where did you go after and, Andover? Andover was far screen, straight from Andover to far screen. Um, and I, 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 you see, I was seeing all these, remember, I'm I'm still coming out of the army, and I'm thinking, I'm still in the army, I'm still serving, I've still got about three years to do. But I'm looking one step ahead, and I'm thinking of me, my career after the army, and I'm thinking I'm going down the scouting route, and um, on the coaching route. And so I'm doing my badges, I'm doing the UAFA license. so. I hate to say it, but I was just at the clubs to be able to fill out my logbooks. You know, get my modules in as you do. <laughs> and so the next one was Forest Green Rovers, and I never saw it as anything else but a, a place to go and do my training sessions and get my logbook signed off. And you know, you you made a one four nil on the Saturday, but I'd be practicing a five man defence and centre backs can't leave the funnel and things like that just because that's a module I had to do. You know, the players are looking at you, what are you doing this for? Um But yeah, it was it, Forest screen was a the the start was really, really bizarre. I mean, it was um, again, you you, you always were always at a higher level than me. I mean, you know, I, I remember you I remember both of you. I used to read Payner's novels, um novel, Payners columns in the in the in the Bristol Post, the the Greening or whatever it was. I used to have a good Classics, chuckle and you wow. were classic, Classics, yeah, right? And you, yeah, <laughs> And you were Bath City at the time, you were the gaffer at Bath City, because City Vicar. So you were always above us, so, you know, and um, you wouldn't believe the, the difference in levels between Bath City and Forest Green at that juncture. I mean, the, the void was absolutely huge. I mean, I even after I'd got it sorted, you know, and we were doing quite well, and it, I turned it round and the, the project, I became fully committed and realised that this was where my future lay. I remember we played your pre-season, you were conference, and we were, we just won the Midland Division of the Southern League, and you beat with 2-0 at home. And I remember, I remember, I was watching, I watched how you warmed up, I watched how you conducted yourself on the dugout, how you conducted yourself at half time, how you, what you said to the players at the end. I was stood, I was in the team meeting at the end, He had them in a circle, I was at the back, you didn't notice me, obviously, <laughs> I listened to every word. And you you learn, you learn, up and that's what I did, I learned from other people, and I think, you know, I don't, I don't mind admitting it, I think that's what you had to do. You, you have to be a sponge, you have to take on board. Things from everybody, because everybody, you know, at that juncture, knew more than I did, and it was it was a learning curve, and I was having to learn quickly.
0: I'm a firm believer, Frank. All all football coaches and managers are are thieves. You know, we Mm. we pinch stuff off of other people and adapt it to suit the players that we got and the way we work and everything else. And um, you know, but that that journey started for you in 1994. Was Trevor the chairman then?
1: He was, yeah. Um, Trouble was a chairman. I mean, I, I applied for the job and I think there was a short list of eight and I must have been number eight on the short list. I had absolutely no chance. It was almost a given. People knew it was going to be Brian Godfrey. Um, and I'm, I interviewed quite well, and I think a lot of credit has to go to, it was Colin Peake was the second at the time, and ironically, as time went on, mine and Colin's relationship soured massively. But it's only now I realise how much he did for the club, and how much he did for me when I was there, you know, and you appreciate that. But it was Colin Peake, I think, who had done the research on me, he'd spoke to Arsenal, you know, and Arsenal had given me a glowing reference despite me making tea for the tea lady. And I think that's from it really, you know, they sort of like said, um, yeah, okay, you know, we'll, um, we will take a chance and you know it was it was it wasn't as well run as andover you know and Andover was a better run club I had better facilities better training facilities it was um it was a it was a heck of a mountain to climb. you looked at it from the bottom and you thought flipping heck and the players that you inherited some great lads some absolutely fantastic lads but football and ability i probably had five or six and that was about it you know i had the likes of um I don't. know, Phil Underhill played for me. He was, um, you know, just lacked inches, didn't he? That's all. It <laughs> <laughs> we uh, all.
2: We've had quite a few of our ex-players on this podcast. We've had yeah. Matt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Highly of you. Um, right. Well, obviously Phil Underhill, Steve, Dave here Steve winter Steve Winter, You know,
1: they the wins. Gary Smart. Gary's smart. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, without exaggeration, Tony, you must be in the same boat. You you see, players remember you as a manager, obviously. What they forget is you literally have managed hundreds of players. We must have had hundreds. I've definitely had hundreds of players in my time, you know. Some of them will always hate you. Some of them will always, you know, like you. And and things that you think are not really that important are the end of the world to the player. Because you're handling, perhaps, I don't know, 18, 20 players. And you you make a throwaway comment to one of them. You know, it's it sits in their brain. And of all the players you mentioned there, the one that was an absolute nightmare was Wins, Steve Winder. Um, <laughs> I, I, he really was a nightmare. I liked him. I really liked the kid. I used to play a lot of golf with him. I, I tried all sorts, you know, to try. Because I honestly believe Wins should have got back in the game. He should have been back in the pro game. And obviously that would benefit for our screen because we'd sell him and we could. We always needed the money. So,
2: so I tried said, everything
1: what? with him. I well, tried everything would, with him. Yes. Yeah.
2: Frank, he was mm. on about his desire didn't he, he didn't say that he wish he had more desire to get where he wanted to mm. be but he just didn't have it and i think he regretted that when yeah. he came in for his chat he never held anything well no they've all spoke highly of you yeah everyone we've had in it on the, the podcast
0: but he he regretted the way he left you at forest green Definitely.
1: yeah i know I've, 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 had, I've had that conversation with him so i've had a conversation with him since and you know don't get me wrong i now know where he was and what place he was in and i fully understand his position but at the time i didn't i was in the dark now i know where he's coming from i can i can understand that you know and uh, he's grown up he's turned into a smashing smashing bloke now isn't he? he's a top a mature man and you know he, he may say all the right things the last conversation i had with him was really amicable you know he's a smashing lad and um but you'll always get some little not liking you fall out with this this one on no names no facto who absolutely slaughters me to every man and um it wasn't my fault, it was Boris, but you can't say that, can you? It's Boris. Boris got me in so much bother. <laughs> Boris didn't fancy this kid, and he really could play. He really could play this lad, and um, he got me goals, and Boris said, oh, I told a miss guy." And I think it was just because Boris wanted more game time. And so, you know, I let him go, and he bore good for forever. And um, about oh, donks ago, I had a bet with Alfie Kilgore, uh, it was a bet to nothing. I said to Alfie, if Redden finish above Newcastle this season, I'll give you a tenner. And I haven't seen Alfie since, and, um, but I always knew I owed him a tenner. And they had a memorial game at Mangotsfield for Bristol Rovers, and this player was playing, you could sponsor a player for 30 quid, and I thought, well, that's about right in today's money. So I paid the 30 quid at Odalfi to sponsor this player. And I put it his favorite manager, you know, and nobody would it. I said to Boris after the game, you can let him know who it is. And he Boris said to him, I bet you can't guess who that was. He said, Irving Gregan. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> still thought, all good. I felt, you know, but it wasn't, the funny thing is, literally, it wasn't down to me, it was down to Boris. But you can't say that. You're the gaffer. You don't say, I'm letting you go because Boris doesn't like it. You know, you, you're the one who stands up and says, I'm sorry, mate. I'm going to have to let you go
0: yeah so you took forest green from southern midland to, to conference frank and uh, you know mm-hmm. that, that's a tremendous achievement isn't it you know and and what in four years
1: uh yeah i think so yeah. um yeah we got promoted the third year in and um, the first year was really really tough um because it was i had like i said it just didn't have any players. i had unders who could play i had richard ford was all right, but 40 to head in. I mean, 40 could not pass a ball without chipping it. And I used to say to him, Well, you just run along the floor. And he used to have to chip everything. Uh, and 40, like everybody else at that level, just lacked half a yard. 40 had had, had that half a yard, he would definitely have been playing league football. Yeah, so I inherited him. And again, you try the one thing I, 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 I was good at was my man management, because obviously I've been managing 110 squaddies to then come and manage a football club. It wasn't hard on man management, say. So again, I I bombed 40 and with the you know, the delib- deliberate intention of sending him back, I just bombed him so that he could see, you know, he really was at rock bottom. Then I have signed him back on again a month later and made him play the season. I tried everything to get 40 to get the best out of him, but it was just, you know, just too difficult. I just couldn't do it. Uh, but he could play, really could play 40. There's a kid called Gary Marshall who um, had won the FA Youth Cup with Coventry, he was a good player. Andy Hoskins, who went on to score lots of goals at Gloucester. Um, he could play. So I had a few, I had about five or six, but the rest just were not suddenly players and that's why they were always around the bottom of the table. And so you, you know, you've just got to keep building and building and get better every year, haven't you? That's all you can try and do.
0: So who do you bring in?
1: Um, I tell you, one of the most important people I brought in was a guy called Robbie Baston. He was a it was a Scotty. I'd done co- coaching courses with, with Robbie, and he um, he had gone on, he kicked on, he he was a major, he'd become commissioned, and he, he was a member of the Army the FA and held you know he loads of posts. And he used to get me soldiers, he used to get me the best the best Scotty's. And I signed a guy called John Scott in the middle of the park, who was absolutely phenomenal, absolutely brilliant player. Uh, he had been at Middlesbrough when he was younger and when Middlesbrough closed down he came in did a great job. I mean I got um Jasper David Maynard. You know Nicky Maynard, the Bristol City boy? His yeah. dad. He came in, he played up top for me. Um, and a huge, huge influential figure around about that time was Tommy Callan, when Tommy Callan and come in. Um, Tommy was brilliant because Tommy knew that gloucester area played the back of his hand. He's a Cheltenham lad, Tommy. Um and he, he recommended a left back to me. And I went to watch this left back and he was superb. And I come back and I said, whoa, I tell you what, Tom, that's a gem. You found an absolute gem. We're having him, and he said, didn't play. I said, what do you mean he didn't? He said, he didn't play. I said, we well, don't care. The <laughs> left back that did play, we're having that left back that did play. And it was Alex Sykes, it was Alex Sykes had played. And I, you know, I fell across him. And I mean, Sykes, he was a great player. You know, absolute, superb, but um, well, well. they're, they're important working calls. together at Cinderford
0: now alex and and tommy alex is running uh, and running side at cinderford
1: and tommy's helping him out because i spoke to tommy at the beginning of the week yeah no uh, uh, he's a great lad tommy he, he really is a great lad i mean um i remember when he left he he went and he he joined um Clevedon, he was at Clevedon, and he rang me up, and uh, he'd missed training because Sally would give, give birth, I mean, he's got about 400 kids, I think, Tommy, um, <laughs> Sally's it's about five or something, and Sally would give birth, and Faye found him um quarter of a week's wages or something and he was absolutely raging and he said you know the difference between you and him you know the difference i said no tommy the difference between you and him is you would have sent flowers he's exactly he's, he'd me you know and um he, he, he probably yeah he couldn't take to to, to that kind of management, tommy You didn't you didn't handle my tommy you didn't treat tommy as a kid you know he's um you had to be you had to be sensible around tommy uh, we 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 had a fallen out and trevor horsley brought with vatagar he took around his house and we sat down and we smashed it out you know and i always got on well with tommy after that moment you know we we're both strong characters and i think it had to come to a head and when it did you know we we, we sort of kissed and made up and got all the time in the world for tommy smashing one, one uh,
2: thing um say frank is um a few of the lads that have been in it said about the training is it mm. running at
1: the
2: hill uh, at Forest Green and then whoever was the worst trainer, you made him run off and get a menu for you at the local Chinese <laughs> for your, for
1: yeah. your sake. No, no it's a, yeah, it's a, that's a true story. I was still in the army, so I used to run up the hill with them because it was an absolute doddle for me. So I used to take them down the bottom of the hill and run them up. But as I got lazier, I just used to send <laughs> them down and Pick up the chinese takeaway and um what they didn't realize They is they'd come in with menus that they'd had in their cars for weeks you know but i used to stay in and date at the corner of the menus before i went to China, so i knew who was skiving and who wasn't exactly the same if they were suspended you know if you were suspended um i used to take them away in the car about six miles away from the ground on match day and drop them off and just say get yourself back and make sure you run but what they didn't know they used to all think that they did sort of like outwitted me. I used to send the director to pick them up. The director used to say, don't tell Frank, don't tell Frank. And it was me who would send them, you know, and oh, wow. they all thought that they'd got one over on me, you know. It was just <laughs> you know. It was just, it was just a one game. Fun. Yeah, it was a bit of fun, and of course they loved it, you know. It was, um, yeah, it was good. I, I, had, I had an absolute ball there. And, um, you have bad times, but you learn, You like what you just said there, Michael, you've got to be a sponge, you've got to learn off others. I mean, I remember the worst time there was a couple of bad things. I remember we got six-two at home at Newport on my first game, um, my first season, and that's the only time in 13 years as a manager I've ever conceded six. One of my teams conceded six. It never happened again. I learned from that. And I remember we, we Cheltenham and Gloucester were the big boys in in our area. And what you've got to remember is there is no league club between Bristol and Walsall, and you've got like the Cheltenham Echo, you've got the Gloucester Citizen. They're daily papers and they need stories. And luck would have it, Forest Green drew Cheltenham in the FA Cup and on the same day, Gloucester drew Cinderford. And of course, the two big boys were meant to smash one. And we beat Cheltenham 3-0 and Cinderford won at Gloucester and that set up a tie between us and Cinderford in the next round. And um, we lost that in the replay and I remember I really felt low after it. And I thought, well, I've got to get something from this game, you know, you're lying there, I've got to get something out of it. And I ended up assigned Smudge. I signed Chrissy Smith and Bradley Thomas, who both, you know, Brad went on to play conference football. Smudge has obviously had a great career before that, anyway. But Smudge has, you know, been a mate for life. You know, Smudge is one of my best mates. Whenever I'm home, you know, I always make a point him and Oggy. We always meet up and we have a few beers. So we always take the positives out of, of out of the downside, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've you've got to, aren't you? You know. Mm-hmm. It, it, there is always some
0: positives and you know somebody said to me just recently would I go back in and I said well I miss the banter and I miss I uh, miss the winning and losing and they said to me why why'd you miss the losing I said because you learn so much about yourself and the players when you when you lose and 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 for me it was always right how can I make this better you know we've lost mm. how can I make this better for the players and and for you know for my own peace of mind and I think mm. I think that's
1: Frank. yeah yeah but that's the kind of character you are. The other side of that is the um, the lettuce, you know, the the, the spinach that wilts. And, um, you know, I'm not hanging shit on him because he's my best mate. but Smudge is a Casa Grace. I mean, Smudge took over as a gaffer, I remember, and um, he got bit at home. He said, that's it, that's it. I'm never, ever doing this again. I never want to be the gaffer. I always want to be number two. And it is, some people can, you know, some people can can take it and learn from it and live with it, and others, it just gets too much. But I don't care who you are, we all, the, 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 no feeling in the world like being a manager after you've lost on a Sunday morning. It's the most depressing thing ever, you know, and you need something to book you up. And like you just said there, you analyze and you look at the reasons why you lost it and you try and take some positives. And you're really just trying to cheer yourself up half the time, aren't you? Yeah. You, you, met, you mentioned
0: Augie, Paul Hunt. Mm, yeah. He was a great signing for you, surely.
1: Well, Yeah, it's- I mean, it's just phenomenal football i mean he had um he'd been in the swindling squad that won promotion to the premier league he didn't play but he was at wembley yeah. there he got wembley with them and uh he got released just because he had you know he had a bit of an attitude i guess i suppose but it was a great attitude you know he was just funny you know he's just but you, you couldn't you shouldn't ever take Augie seriously and you know obviously the likes of Ozzy Ardealis and Glenn Hoddle, who he was playing for, then did. And I had Augie Andover, when I was at Andover, that's where I had him. He started with Ken Cunningham brought him in, the racehorse trainer, because he had the money to bring him in. And so I'd worked with him there. And then when he moved to Cyrencester, I picked him up from Sarincester and he'd come and he played with me it for a screen and he was you know it's not that about it he was the best player i ever signed he was the best player by by a long way you know and i've signed england at the nationals england under 21 some really good players but nobody could match oggy when he was right unfortunately he did his acl um against uh i think it was kidminster i remember we kicked off we had gone one nil down and we kicked off and lit- literally it was like you know you see billy's boots and, in the comic kicked off give it oggy and he just ran past the entire team and scored And then um, it was the following week he did his ACL and uh, he really struggled to come back after that. And again, you know, we had some massive, massive fallouts. I remember we were due to be relegated. How we never got relegated, I don't know. We, uh, it was the final week of the season. And if we lost the game, we would get relegated. We had Doncaster at home. Kidderminster away, who were the champions and had already been crowned. Frank,
0: Frank, this, this yeah. is the conference, 1999,
1: around that time, yeah? Yeah, later than that, about a couple of years later, about 2001, I would have thought, 2002. And um, so we got Doncaster, I remember, this, this is my greatest achievement in football, by by an absolute male. We had Doncaster at home, um, Kidderminster away and Ketlinn at home. And we played Doncaster. And man, we hadn't won for about, I don't know, probably about four and a half years, it seemed. And (laughs) we certainly hadn't won since Christmas. And we're in April. And you've got to win all these games. And we beat Doncaster 1 0. We scored about eight minutes from 10. Sykesy stabbed one in from about eight yards. So, you know, we're still alive. We got to Kidderminster on the Tuesday, full house, 5,000. They had fireworks beforehand. Um, Jan Mulvey's the manager. That Brody in the hole, who was just torturing, were all night long. 20 minutes to go, we're 3 0 down. You get beat, you're relegated. We got back to 3 2, and Oggy'd gone on as a sub, and um, he'd had an effort and had gone wide, and he ran because the ball boys were taking the time. He ran, he got the ball, picked it up, and I thought, good lad, Oggy, good lad. Come back, keep us come out. He's dropped it and not made them. You know, that's just Oggy for you, you know, you think, oh, god because of course a goalkeeper took forever to get the ball to take the goal kick we got a penalty in about third minute of injury time scored it so we're still alive 3 all. and i oh i had i had not give under throat i really did you know for for that one i was going bananas and i wasn't going to play him against Cali. i wasn't even getting him in the squad there's no way i was even going to put him in the squad but smudge smudge being smudge was brilliant you know the kind of vice you need just kept on me case he wouldn't get off me case you've got to have him at least on the bench so, you know, we put him on the bench and we had to beat captain on the last day and the other results had to go our, our way and um, we just couldn't score. And it was really funny, I had Trevor Halsey behind me, behind the dugout, feed me all the scores and he, he, you know, it was before live scores on the internet, he was doing it on, he literally had four mobile phones at different games, he had broke, broke at every game, so we always knew what the, the what the scores were. And I remember cross coming from the left and McGregor got across the front and great glancing and head on the keeper somehow got a fingertip on it hit the top of the bar and went over and i turned and i kicked the hot water bottles and the, the cold water bottles in disgust and <laughs> they all went over trevor he was absolutely drenched i mean any other time he would have chased me round the pitch you know but he was so concentrating all he could do was pick up his mobile phones you know He's, that's all he that's all he was worried about finding out the scores and um, the crowd had been calling for Oggie from, from the start, basically. I was you know, determined I wasn't going to put him on until it was right. And you could just see he was absolutely itching to get on. And I put him on a quarter an hour ago. And uh, Oggy's right footed. And he won the ball on in the inside right channel, cut inside. And he's about 25 yards out. And he curled one with the inside of his left foot. Started it outside the post. So right behind it, hit the inside the post and went in. And then he laid off a gorgeous black back heel for McGregor about two minutes to go. And we won it 2-0. And uh, all the other results went away. And I remember Freegy telling me about EVA's at Gloucester and they were celebrating on the pitch that they'd been promoted, and the results were wrong. They'd been given wrong information. And uh, Freegy lives on the same status. I used to live in Chipmunk, so I used to drink with Freegy, and I knew that tale. So I wouldn't believe any of the patter that I was getting about the results. So I just sat in the shower floor with the James Alexander Gordon telling me all the scores on Five Live. And once I'd got them all, I thought, that'll do. And we stayed up. Trevor come in. I'm still just the only one in the show. I just sat on the floor with all the shower heads on me. And he said, come on, you've got to go up. I said, why? He said, the punters are calling your name. The punters want to see you. And I said, get away, Trevor. We had to got beat that up pitchfork and torches. You know, and he <laughs> just said, come on, you know, grow a pair. You know, it's football, isn't it? And then it was, you know, it would have been, you know, it's yourself, so you go out there and, you take all the you take all the, the florists and all your applause, but you know if the result hadn't had gone your way they would have been on your back and but that's what football is isn't it yeah it
0: certainly is yeah it is so obviously that was your biggest ambition your trip to Wembley
1: yeah that was all my fault you never lost that game like you know it's another one that you, you've you've got to hold your hands up and say I got it wrong totally and absolutely got it wrong um You wouldn't believe the style that we did it in. We stayed up, I think, three days beforehand. We trained at um, the Metropolitan Police Ground attending, which was immaculate. Uh, We stayed in the the hotel that all the cup final teams stayed at. We had all the fanciest suits, all the roses, everything. And the occasion just got, you know, I just let the occasion take over. I should have just had them in tracksuits, rock up an hour and a half before the game was normal and got it over and then put your fancy suits on and do what you did but we arrived three hours early took in the crowds over twenty thousand there and it we just we just let it get let the occasion get on top of there and it was a schoolboy on my behalf and um, in hindsight really, right. i mean mm-hmm. even the top pros they they
2: treat that day they can't yeah. find it different yeah. so why weren't a non-league team really because it is a special usually it's a one-off occasion a lifelong ambition for any sort of footballer in it to play at Wembley. I mean I wouldn't be yeah. lucky enough to play there but I really wish I had the chance and if I had lost I would probably be gutted but now looking back I said Do you know what? what a fantastic time we had. We had the suits, we played at this immaculate training ground, all the lads were there. That's the memories a lot of people will take from that. Yeah, you know,
1: definitely. I mean, hurts, Yeah. No, yeah, I agree, you know, but, you know, the thing is, that's not my job. You know, I'm not there to entertain them. I'm there to win football matches, and I haven't done it, and you've, sometimes you've just got to hold your hand up. And, I mean, i, I played Shuttlewood ahead of Perrin. Um, and, again, you learn all the time from me Warminster days. When I was at Warminster, I had Shuttlewood as a goalkeeper, and he was, you know, playing in the Western League. He was absolute class. And at the other end, it was a, um, a Wiltshire Cup competition. There was Perrin, Steve Perrin for Westbury. And um, both of them played Conference football. I mean, Porks played England Sea in the end, you know, so I took both of them from that level and took them up. Uh, and I remember we had a penalty shootout when Warminster played Westbury in that wheelchair cup thing. And uh, I said all the way, Warminster players, I said, look, just hit the target. Don't change your mind, drill it and hit the target. you get no complaints from me. And they did. And Porks saved everyone. And, you know, that sort of like, sticks in your memory. And Porks had played in the semifinal against St Albans because... Um, because uh, Shuttlewood was injured, and so Porks had played, Uh, we'd drawn the first leg 1-1, we scored after about 12 seconds, Um, we got a penalty, and I was absolutely raging at the the referee, because he didn't send the keeper off, Uh, he brought McGregor down, McGregor was walking it into an empty net, and he didn't send him off, because it was 12 seconds in, and uh, you, you've got the same referee for the second leg. So we're drawing one each, but we're confident you've got them back to our place. You're going to beat them, being their bother. Next thing you know, you're 2 0 down after 20 minutes. You think, oh, God, here we go. managed to get one back before half time. Uh, Seixy again just stabbed one in from close range. That's the great thing about Seixy. Everybody thinks he was this fantastic winger. He wasn't. He was just absolutely alive in the box, the amount of goals he got from the midfield was awesome. So um, he got one back for me. and then at half time I got them in and you know sometimes you don't have to say anything you know there's so much at stake and you, you you can just make them feel worse and I remember you know we're just getting towels on their necks and cooling them down and getting a bit of treatment and they're all looking at me for some sage advice or something and I didn't say anything I just kept quiet and then just before they went back out, I said all right here we go let me put this scenario past you i want you to imagine it's pre-season and i'm about to say to you right guys will you take this scenario you're at home in the semi-final of the fa trophy you're 2-1 down at half time against a club a division below you who thinks you wouldn't have took that and who thinks you're not capable of repeating these? And it seemed to do the trick. There were different sides second half, and we just ran right, you know, and um, Pudge, Ian Hedges, <laughs> I signed him again. Same Pudge when he played against Bath, and he scored an absolute screamer against him. Cummins cut inside off the right, hit it with his left foot, past Shuttlewood. I thought, what a good player he is. Gets his goals, never scored a goal.
2: But, he's got the, uh, but, train, yeah,
1: yeah. but he has got a different touch. yeah. He to the I, I th- thought, what a good player, what a good footballer. But he was a great defender for me. But he scored. He scored in that semi-final. That was, I think, the only goal he ever got for Forest Green. And um, and Smarty got the winner. Smarty would have to get the winner, wouldn't he? Um, uh, he'd just have to get the video to show it on the coach. Have you ever seen that goal he scored for Bristol Rovers against Bristol City? <laughs> no, yeah. no one has. But you, ha- you haven't seen it, I thought, mate. <laughs> Yeah, and Sparty got the winner. So yeah, and then yeah, it but it it was great. It was fantastic. And to get there was an achievement, but I still would have liked the win the game more than anything else. But they were good times, good lads, good players. Um the final itself, you know, McGregor had a great chance early on. And all he had to do was just open his body up and put it on his right peg. And he yeah, you know, he'd have the whole goal to hit. But McGregor's McGregor's right right to his swinger, he kept it on his left side and the keeper narrowed down the angle, he saved it. Then Boris had a sort of like one-on-one with a keeper, would come outside the box and you know, Boris is normal, half the size of a peanut, couldn't wait to get out of it, and <laughs> it didn't happen. But um, yeah, but Boris, Boris, played, Boris did a great job for me at first Green, i was so funny when I said, I mean, Boris is another one, he's a great mate, you know, he there was only five footballers I've invited to my daughter's wedding and Boris was one of them. Um, and he he, um, he was just so funny. I he, he signed him from Mushton and Diamonds, and he was costing me an arm and a leg. He was costing a club and an arm and a leg. And he signed his contract. And as soon as he signed his contract, he said, um then right. what i can do for you Frank is if you're struggling you need somebody to hold the ball up in the last 10 minutes i can do a job <laughs> <laughs> i said i'm sorry mate you're going to be running the channels <laughs> you're going to be <laughs> running the channels all day long and you're going to be getting goals and in fairness he did he did a great job for yeah. he scored I mean, goals I mean,
0: everyone played that there boris didn't he Dave
1: yeah yeah i mean he was such an intelligent footballer you know, we all laugh and joke about, you know, the heart size of being up, but he, he he could afford to be because he was such a good footballer. You know, he had such, such great ability um, and he was such a good lad. He's so funny, isn't he? Um, yeah, yeah, really. Like so we had some but, absolute belting lads there and a great team spirit. And I think, you know, so much depends on team spirit, doesn't
0: it? It does. And we, that comes across in most of our podcasts, Frank. You know, I, I got to give him a mention, Mark McGregor, because mm-hmm. I had him at Weston and he um, you know his best days were behind him but i would have loved to have managed him when he was at his prime you know because mm. he 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 could do it all
1: yeah he opinion. could and i mean he could have done he would have gone to city i was working at city at the time i was um i was coaching i was scouting for man city when i was at first grade and i i sent him up he went and um, he, we were going to take him Man City were going to take him as so he didn't get from that family but they got promoted to the Premier League and so he never went. I remember in the trail game I sent him up for he got a penalty, city got a penalty. And um Paul Dickoff picked the ball up and Maka said to him, You're nervous. If you're nervous, I'll take it for you. <laughs> Dickoff sort of like looked at him and thought, you an absolute trick, but <laughs> you know, that's Maka, isn't it? You know, just um he, he is what he is. So yeah, uh, but Ben Boris put a word in for him with Ollie, I think, with QPR. And QPR were gonna sign him, uh, but he failed the medical, fell the medical on his knee and so that's why he never got back in the league game but yeah as a young oh god could he score goals and um, the trouble is though it was um old bull and young bull him and Oggy. you know i'd actually come to blows on the park one day you know the old and 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 boyer lee boyer routine they, they come to blows so you know it was difficult but eventually i think they both got on all right now
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you, you know your achievements at forest green are absolutely fantastic it it ended sort of nineteen ninety four ish. What what happened there, Frank?
1: No, I ended. Um, it was two thousand one, I think. Um, was it? Got me yeah, stats I, wrong,
2: Atto, Rico. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I started in ninety four and I finished. I think about two thousand and one. What started then is uh, I started the same the wrong caliber of player. Um. I, um, I was, I just thought I had to take the next level and I had to take, to win promotion I was going to have to get, you know, Premier uh, League players on the way down, you know, and I was signing the legs of, we sang Tony Daly, um, Nigel Spink, and Nigel Spink was probably the worst signing because billy clark just couldn't get on with him and you know billy billy doesn't stand fools and he he said to me you know if you want me to keep playing center half you would better swap keepers because you know i just can't play i can't play in front of him and um he he struggled with the back he struggled with the back pass i think the back pass. you know the the feet he struggled with that and um don't get me wrong he was all right in the dressing room and that but I, i was playing a few for more than a few bob i'm spending quite a bit of money on a goalkeeper who wasn't playing and daly and tony daly great lad work his socks up for you but the different mentalities suppose you know the game finishes switch off they're, they're, they're done with it whereas your local lads let me just talk about your that. they're making you know the best of every ounce they've got i mean the classic examples make kill Kilgore. i mean killer not mainly telling this because it's true killer probably had less ability than players Every time we went out in the park, you know, touch, technique, everything else. The killer was never, ever less than a 7 out of 10. He was just colossal, absolutely colossal. Uh, He was just the most consistent player I ever worked with. And he's brave as could be. He's the only guy I've ever seen lying on the floor after he's made a tackle trying to put ahead of him, you know, and he was that kind of guy. Whereas the others, when you're bringing them in, Dennis Bailey, sounds great, scored a hat-trick at Old Trafford the year, a couple of years before saying them. but again, you know, it, it's just, it's an occupation, you know, it's not it's not a love like it is for a lot of uh, non-league players, tend to be a different breed, they tend to really love what they're doing, you know, you wouldn't be getting at home with, home at three o'clock in the morning after a way trip to Dover and then start work as a painter and decorator at seven unless you loved it and they really are in love with the game and i think that was the difference i just signed the wrong caliber of players i should have concentrated again local boys using that corridor between bristol uh up to walsall and just nurturing the best talent from there and uh that's what went wrong i just went down the wrong path yeah
0: yeah it's, it's easy to do as well especially when you're striving to be better isn't it you know oh yeah absolutely yeah. so you had a Brief spell it, Aberystwyth, and then ended up at Western Supermel and 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 did exactly the same sort of job as you did at Forest Green. You know, took the clubs through promotions. Tell us a little bit about that, Frank.
1: Yeah, Aberystwyth was great, one. I mean, Aberystwyth was um unbelievable. Um, it was how I ended up there. Well, I know how I ended up there. It was, again, you've got to bear in mind, I've, when I left um, Forest Green, I didn't go to went on Man City. Um, I, got, I got the sack on a Sunday, and I got a phone call on the Monday from Joe Roy, because I was, was work, working part-time for City, covering all the non-league scene from basically just recommendations on players that I saw. And he phoned me up, and he said to me, you know, look, you'll never be a manager until you've grabbed the sack, and you've lost an FA Cup semi-final. And I said, well, I'm never going to lose an FA Cup semi He said, mean a, you mean know, an FA Jockey semi-fam in your case? He said, but it's your lucky day. And I felt like saying, well, I've just been sacked this night. He said, Lil Fucello has just been appointed Luton manager. You can have Lil's job. So um, I, I went full-time at City on the scout. And it was just me, John Hurst, who used to play with, with Joe Rowland at Everton. And a guy called Steve Thompson, who used to be the old Sheffield United manager. We were the three full-time scouts. So I was at Man City for about about 18 months, I think, um, before I took on the with job, and it was the end of the season, we got relegated. Um, uh, oh, one story I must tell you about that when we got relegated. We're playing Arsenal at home, and um, live on Sky on the Monday, and the gaffer comes in with a team sheet, and he said, if we don't beat these here, we'll never beat them. We left out the Spain, you know, Henri wasn't playing, Vieira wasn't playing, Adams wasn't playing, but the Arsenal squad's so good, you know, they're replacing the non Bird Camp, you know, Wiltor, these kind of players. Uh, but before the game, I'm in the tunnel, and I'm looking down the tunnel, and there where the old Perspex dug at Main Road, with the, you know, the gap in the middle for the technical area. And Arsene Wenger's in there, talking to Aidy Harris. You remember Aidy Harris? used to play yeah. for Joe in Gloucester, little ginger boy. And yeah, let's take them white rabbit moments. You know, you, you've seen the white rabbit. You've been working too hard and I was driving too much. And you sort of <laughs> like rub that. your eye. You think, what's what he what doing talking to, to awesome thing? And I looked again. Oh, it's definitely 80. And um, so I started to walk up to him. I got distracted. Somebody talked to me. And, uh, you know, it didn't happen. Next time I looked up, we had gone. And I was driving home. I, I found Smooch up because Smooch was managing Simmified, I think. He took over Simmified. And I said, I've just seen ID I said, no, nobody said I. I've told you, you're driving too far. You're doing too much work. I said, he was. He was talking to in Wenger. I said, yeah, whatever. I'll get the psychiatrist lined up for you next week or something. And uh, <laughs> anyway, but now an later he rang me up and he said, I oh, was there. Uh, his boy was the ball boy. His boy was a mascot rather for Arsenal. But, you know, mm. it absolutely cracked me up. But we got beat 4-0. We are 4-0 down at half-time in a game that we were meant to win. And we got relegated. And the gaffer went out with the chairman. The chairman was Bernstein, Remember member who took over as chairman of the FA. Yeah. And give give the gaffer assurances that everything was all right for, for the season to come. And that was the Thursday night, so everything's hunky-dory. And then, um, you know, John Hurst went to the Caribbean on a cruise. If everybody's trying to see if pre-season. Everybody's happy. And I'm at home watching Sky Sports News. And it rolls across the bottom. Joe Royal sack. Kevin Keegan appointed. Just out of the blues. Well, here we go. And, of course, Kevin Keegan come in. And he, he sacked everybody he just got rid of the entire team uh you know you're talking willie donachie was the assistant uh, john hurst went steve thompson went even alex stepney what a legend he was he was the goalkeeping coach on money United keeper got rid of him and uh somehow i got another i got another year he gave me another year i got, a, year, I got a year's contract and we were that skint at the time at man city it was before the before the arab takeover we Used to share the same PA as the gaffer so the three of me um, John Hurst and Steve Thompson shared the same PA as the gaffer so I phoned her up and I said you know I, I said give me another year she said yeah I know Frank I said got rid of everybody else he said yeah I know I said why she said I don't know I said you do I said I don't know I said look you know everything and she did you know everything why he got rid of me? He said well to be fair you've done really quite well, you know, your reputation's really quite good. I said, yeah, come on, Julie. She said, well, he doesn't know who you are. <laughs> and that's the he didn't know who I was. And I thought, oh, really? That really speaks well for the future. So I had to get out, I knew I had to get out, and the other job come on. And Dennis Bailey had been on loan there, so I, I, I ran Dennis and asked him about it. But before that, I was meant to take over back, um, Bowden had left and Steve Hall rang me up and said, would you, would you come here? And I said, Yeah, by all means, you know, I'll come meet you. And I sat down with him, he sat me in the chair, he said, Get, get used to it, put your feet on the table. He said, Right, yeah, okay, how, what do you think? I said, Yeah, definitely, no problem. He said, Well, I'll have to get a rubber stamp by the board. I said, All right. So I met the board and um, I, I'm doing personal terms, bear in mind, I'm leaving Manchester City to go to Bath City and you know i didn't want a fortune and the one thing i I do learn, you've got to bear in mind that was me living i used to earn me living in football you can't keep bleeding out of the club you've got to be generating it yourself i mean if forest green i set up the academies. that's where the money comes from at forest green and obviously you win things that's where the money comes from you know you win trophies you make money and um I'd agreed a deal with, with Steve Hall, and he couldn't sell it. He couldn't sell it to the board. And there was a guy called you, you must know because you were there, an old boy. He, again, he must have passed by now. He was about 306 then. Called Frank, you know, Frank. 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 Frank that was Frank. it. He, he was the one I think who wouldn't have it. You know, all the others were on board, on and side and they they just made me a ridiculous offer. You know, and I said, no, you know, I just can't do that. I'm not leaving, you know, I can't. I've got a family to feed. Basically, it's not going to happen. So. Um, so I didn't do it. I went to with instead. And I again I wasn't going to go there. But I sat down and they had this, this backer who just offered me stupid money to say and the same entry it was ridiculous. And uh, and there was a bonus if I got them in Europe. And I was the bonus with the budget was big enough that I could bring in, you know, I brought in the great English talent, Frankie Bennett. And again, Frankie played Premier League at Southampton. Um, Milky come, Jason Drysdale came across. Uh, Stuart Slater, England under 21 international, at West Ham, and a great player as well. Slater, what a good guy he was. Um, Marty Coop, Marty Koop came across. Smudge came across as coach. Um, there would have been others that have probably missed. And we're, then we we we, we the best. From, then from London, from London, yeah. And what a that pro! So I mean, you know, yeah, what a pro! And then, but he was delighted when we took over West because I sent Smudge down to to look after because I wasn't. Obviously, I've been in some future contract and I couldn't work for three months. So um, states went down and joined um, Smudge at, at, at Western. What happened was, they just, again, I couldn't get them to mix. The English and the Welsh would not mix and the Welsh obviously spoke Welsh in the dressing room and you can't stop them doing that. And the English couldn't understand them. I took them pre-season bonding to Cardiff. We played somebody, I can't remember, but we played somebody in the state of Cardiff. Uh, no, Swansea. We went out with Jacks, you know, Jacks and Swansea. I put them in hotel rooms. I made sure there was an Englishman and a Welshman in the room so that they would bond. Never happened. They just went in um, their own groups and just didn't work. And we played, um, we played in the Welsh Cup and Aberystwyth hadn't won the Welsh Cup this, this century. And I said to the tea ladies in the boardroom before going, ah, I don't worry, we'll win it for you this year and I'd sent somebody to do the scouting report for me, I can't remember who it was, um, somebody did the scouting report for me, and he rang me up and said, look, I'm not even going to send you the report, you're playing a fat goalie and ten blokes in trainers, you know, you can't get beat, they're absolute dog and duck, and we played them, and we got beat at home 1-0, and uh, we absolutely smashed them, to be fair, we must it the woodwork without exaggeration 7 or 8 times, and we got in the dressing room afterwards, and uh, I asked, it was a rhetorical question. I didn't want an answer. It was rhetorical. And I said, how on earth did we lose that? And uh, Milky chaps Chib up and says, because only half of you are trying and we're all English. Oh, God, gum shielding visor down, kicked off. <laughs> I thought, I thought that's it. It's not the end of my career yeah, It's time to be looking for another club. So um, Weston, well, after the manager and the chairman got in touch with me there, and I signed it contract agreement for when we contract finished at Aberystwyth and so long story short I couldn't work for three months but, uh, when I left Aberystwyth and, and joined Weston and I couldn't get back in the pro game because I got tucked up by the press when I joined Aberystwyth uh, the non-league paper if you remember them did a big double page spread on me with me looking dead smug sat in my garden at home with my cavalier king charles spaniel on me knee with a big headline I said no to Keegan, yeah, yeah, that's gonna get your jobs, isn't it? And I come uh, across really, really arrogant. They really printed it badly, you know, I was taken out of context and they just absolutely shafted me, you know. I had a testimonial against City as well, coming up. And Keegan, I mean, the gaffer, Joe Roy would have sent, you know, Paula Wineshop and Steve Harvey and all the rest of the lads. Asa Harshford was sent along with the youth team. And that's what I got for my testimonial because of that newspaper article. The only one who played was Joey Barton. But even then he was he's only on the fringe of the first team. Yeah. But yeah, so that was Abu with that didn't work really out and then it was on to Weston.
0: Yeah. So again, took them from Southern Prem into into the conference and and again looking in from the outside, great, great. Um uh, with, with some good players.
1: Yeah, it was it's only when you lose something you realize how good it is and it's when you lose a chairman like Trevor Horsley and you go to Western and you get you find out what you know not all Germans are Trevor Horsleys and you quickly become accustomed to it Paul Bliss shook my hand when I took the job and he said I'll match it every step of the way and I'll match your ambition every step of the way and he he didn't you know we won promotion and um, I remember the next season he tried to cut the budget and I had an absolute blaze in there with them I mean I called them things that you should never call a chairman because I, I you know I just wanted to sack and I, he just knew would he wouldn't sack me because I had a three-year contract pay me up two years and um all Paul Bliss wanted from me was to set up his academy because I'd set up Forest Greens Academy and of course there's huge funding in academies as you know yeah and that's all he really wanted me for and um you know the budget was was just not sufficient for me to do what i wanted to do and weston is such a huge town if somebody got a hold of it i know people every saturday you see them in their drones getting in the cars and heading north up that motorway to go and watch city or rovers you know they should have their own support and if you if you got a hold of them you could do it and people say no it never happen. it would happen you know it happened screen. I remember we used to have 93 when I was first manager. I remember I had 93 for a League Cup tie watching. When I left, we were averaging over 1,000. You know, they're getting close to 2,000 now. When they move to Eco Park, they'll get they'll get their 5,000 because of that catchment area between Bristol and, and Walsall. You know, they'll pack them in. And Weston's the same. If somebody got a hold of it and had the ambition to, to spend the, the right amount of money, they, they could kick on. But Paul Bliss, um, don't get me wrong, he, he, he kept telling me how much he was putting in, I don't know if he was, but I know how much we were making from the academy, and uh, I think we we could have financed it better, and, and certainly achieved much, much more. I mean, I was looking before I come on, because I, I knew we'd be talking about this, and I, I was looking and I checked, they still haven't beat the record of where I took them in the FA Cup or the FA Trophy you know that's still the record to this day that just shows the absolute lack of ambition you know um but I enjoyed it I enjoyed it because again the players were good but it was it was no forest green but it was um I surrounded myself with good players again and and you you enjoyed the clack and the team spirit was good but me my interest was starting to wane, I was starting to get jaded, it's like any job you know, it's a bit like when I was in the army, I was getting just, I was getting sick of the same routine, time in, time out and you think, we're not going anywhere, I haven't got the budget to go anywhere, you know, we're not going to go anywhere with this club and I just, I really did just take the mickey, I was, I put myself on gardening leaf, I put Smudge in charge and um, Smudge was running it and I was just in the background, but again, German wouldn't do anything because I was running his academy. And all he wanted from me never stopped. Give me the business plan, give me the business plan. I want to see the business plan for the economy. And eventually, you know, it's, it's called intellectual rights. You sign off on that and you lose all rights to it. And that's it. You know, I sh- so basically, that's the legacy I've got is the two academies of Forest Green and Western. They're both absolutely thriving and they've kicked on massively since I was there. Absolutely, yeah. you know, enormously. I'm really pleased that they have. But, you know, every manager that's been in after me at Western has, has suffered the same. I'm sure that you had exactly the same experience.
0: Yeah, no, I... I didn't follow in. I followed, followed Gary Hours in, but yeah, it, it was a it was a difficult a difficult club to 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 manage to, to progress.
1: No, I hear the contradiction because I'm sure you've done the research. You didn't. You followed me. Gary was in in the caretaker capacity because again I was in the whole, I was on uh-huh. Yeah, Gary was. I was actually the gaffer then. Gary was in. Uh, um, it's, Gary's another one I installed because you got sick of getting beat, <laughs> so um, Gary coming. I didn't and know Gary, that Frank. Just yeah, Gary that. was in the in caretaker capacity and what happened was um, I was meant to be on the interview board and I was going to make sure that Gary got the job and it was Gary himself who said he didn't want me on it and uh, consequently the board went for you because um, you, you obviously came across better on the interview than Gary did and Gary was yeah, Gary was you know, totally been shafted and, and he hadn't you know straightforward interview procedures. We went back to back promotions but there were, there were Fiddle promotions. The first one was Pucker. We won it at Clevedon, which is the obviously local derby. Jody Bevan scored. That's another one that Boris was always honoured at me about. I mean, oh, get rid of Jody, get rid of Jody. Yeah, the kids, he gets 25 goals a season, you know? They're coming off his backside. He doesn't know what he's doing. But he, he, Jody's just a goal machine, you know? He just scores goals. But Boris just, <laughs> I don't know. If they scored more goals than Boris, he didn't like them. Um, <laughs> That's <quite> right. Um, <laughs> And then he maybe you know, Jody got the winner there, and, and that I signed Dave Lee, and that was another another one of those where you're saying the mate for life, you know, I get on great with Dave, um, and I still see Dave now, you know, and he's a, he's a good pal, he did well, he came in as my number two, I had him, we had some fun, we we got promoted to the Conference South, as it was, because we'd won the, mid, the Southern Division, then they restructured and you had to get in the top 12, and we'd had a great cup run. Um, we got the second round and we were had Northampton away. And again, you learn from your experiences. So I decided this time there wasn't going to be any hotels. There wasn't going to be any fancy suits. We're just going there. We're stopping at a service station for our lunch and treated as normal. And the Daily Mail did a, a feature before the game on the two squads. And um, the Northampton squad had cost half a million to put together. And the Western Supermare squad was four and a half million. You know, transfers that had been involved in. I mean, you had Slater with the majority of that at 1.5 million, but you had Mark McKeever at half a million. You know, uh, Lee John and Milky. Was Milky there? Probably. You know, we had really we had players who had been around, and we were by far and away the first 25 minutes the better side, and we just didn't score. And I thought, you know, it'll come, it'll come. And then they got a corner, and uh, they won the cro- they won the header. It was the first time i wasn't like a go scramble and we it was the days i'm still a great believer on one of each post McKeever was on the near post and he stuck his hand out and nobody saw that nobody saw it the crowd didn't appeal the players didn't appeal and the linesman stuck his flag up and gave a penalty and mckeeva got sent off and um that was it we got beat 4 one got done um and so then we had to finish in the top 12 but the season seemed to go flat and we just weren't doing it we're losing games we shouldn't be losing them and again, you know the players just seemed not interested. it wasn't a proper promotion they didn't want to know really, and it's hard getting them motivated for it so following
0: weston um mm. did, were you involved in any, anything else after that Frank football no, was-
1: no, no 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 i um i oh yeah I had Magnusfield, didn't i, I went Mang. oh what a mistake that was um again you, you, i just wanted the new season was starting and I didn't have a club and I thought you know I, I met mate Richardson and you know just give me the pat that he gives everybody took me for lunch Russell Osmond came, and you know I was meant to be impressed because he brought Russell Osmond at the table i just played in this good charity golf day two weeks beforehand but I didn't want to say anything and you know what it, what a like in Mangotsfield! It just it, you take over the week later the budget's cut and then a week later it's cut again and it was just ridiculous <laughs> I just didn't want to be there it lasted three months and you know part of you know, I, I was delighted to get out and then um i was offered the Basin Stoke job in the, the game conference south and i was going to take it because a lot of me players had gone there when when they left me it was almost like Forest green reserves at one stage you had Chris Honor was there, Eddie Mings was there, uh, Steve Winter was there, Donnie Forbes was there, and they were all traveling together. And were, Rob Cook, they won massive books because, um, you know, Basingstoke pays London wages. And the budget was big, um, it was about four and a half grand. But I said to the secretary before I took it, I said, can you just send me over the last wage bill for the last game of the season that you had? And they paid 4-9, I think, on the last day of the season. And they had 10 pros and um, four kids making up the squad. And so, you know, you're committed to them contracts. There wouldn't have been much movement, you know. There wouldn't have been many going out in the summer. And they'd finished fourth and bottom. And um, the chairman said to me, he'd give me, and it was a big substantial bonus if I could finish above fourth from bottom. And the missus said to me, this is ridiculous, you know. It's another one, and you're just going to be managing the budget again. And, you will you, be a grumpy sort of all season because you're getting beat. Let's get out of here, let's go to Spain. So we come to Spain. Sure,
0: fair play. And something something I didn't know about you, Frank, and away from the football, is obviously you've become a bit of an author and released some books. Um I gotta show my ignorance and I haven't read them. So you've you've had two books commissioned, Don't Mess with Mum and El Clasico. Tell um, us a bit about
1: it's it's you could wall of wall sunshine here for about 330 days a year so you've got 36 days 35 days that you've got to fill so when it rains i write so that's what i do it's a hobby and um as i say i left school at 14 so i'm not the greatest of writers but i used to that's what i did when i left when i left football i used to work for Betfair. i used to write there all the premier league previews on the betting. and i used to do um i did the indian premier league Which is cricket which i know nothing about and so you know i like writing it's almost a hobby and um when i was in football i had a writing agent i had an agent who wanted me to write books but as soon as you're out of football trying to get an agent i just don't bother to be honest and it's just a hobby so i've done three books i've done um don't classico was the first one then don't mess with mum and um the other one is called i should know this i wrote it i can't remember (laughs) that's really quite sad isn't it um need to know it's called need to know and where they come from the don't mess with mormon need to know is i had a mate who was dead cool he was like a detective chief inspector and he was a real good lad and um but you know he was um he was cool because he was a detective chief inspector but he he looked after his mate they joined up together who was this uh welsh boy who was a detective constable and was going nowhere but he used to look after him like a pup you know we go involved to keep him in the job basically because he was um a bit of a waste and they were the inspiration basically for the for the books Um so basically the stories that they used to tell me and it's uh you know it's just it's never going to win a Pulitzer but it's it's just a hobby and something that I enjoy doing to be honest.
0: Yeah no it's interesting um and you know it's something that I will, I will have a little gander at at some, at some stage. Mm, Is there anything yeah. else you'd like to share with, with us
2: Frank?
1: No, just thanks, you know, thanks for the opportunity to be able to talk I'm an absolute load of nonsense for now. I've quite enjoyed it. It's been good fun. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I haven't bored hey. the tits off you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you des- we don't really
0: know each other, uh, but I think you deserve tremendous credit for, for what you've done. And, you know, both at Forest Green and, and Western in setting up these academies and, and you deserve tremendous credit for that. And, you know, you in, in our era, one of the top managers, you know, around it at our time. So uh, I think you deserve tremendous credit for that.
2: And it's like I said earlier, a lot of the players, we ex-players have had in here have all spoke highly of you. Yeah. You know, they, I don't think anyone's had a bad word to say. They, they said some strange little things about, you know, they thought they were the best player of the season and frankly, let me go. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Like you said earlier, it's all these little, little times over the years, you make decisions.
1: It is, yeah, and you, you've, you've got to bear in mind, Ben, you know, as you know yourself, you've never met a player, you'll never meet a player said, oh, I had a bad season that year. You know, no. you never, ever meet them, do you? The, one of the worst ones that, that I remember was Billy Clark, when I fell out with Billy, because Billy's a good mate, and we did fall out when I let him go, and I haven't spoken since. I haven't seen him, you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to shake his hand because I've got great respect for Billy. But we were all arguing over corners of all things because I was swinging them in, and he wanted me to swing them out. And um, I said, Billy I haven't scored a goal for reason, you know, he said, because you keep swinging the corners in. <laughs> he, said, he said, I'm telling you, to swing I would have got 10 goals if you had a swing remote. you know? <laughs> think, Yeah, And uh, you, 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 again, you, you, you end up, you, 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 you fall out of a ridiculous little things. I remember I, um like Grantly, Grantly Dix. I mean, I used to really like granty he was a great kid. But I remember we were training I just sang Pudge. And um, he obviously Pudge and, and granty were good mates. And we're training. We're in the gym at first. I mean, we have our own gym by this stage. we have really moved on. But a, a bit of a state of an art gym inside. And we've got the music on. And granty's working. And he's shouting. And he's, you know, he's been Grant, He's banged up for it. And I remember watching him. And I thought, God, he's not going to feature this season. He's hardly going to be in. He's going to be a, a squad player. A fringe player, that And he'd done so well for me the year before, he played left centre-back in the game against Merthyr, which was absolute critical. And he played left centre-back. And I remember when he went on, I I didn't even say to him something, I walked up to him, I was going to say something, he said, I'm not letting you down. I said, what? He said, I'm not letting you down. And he didn't, he was superb. And yet you had to let him go because I, I just knew he wasn't going to be figuring much. And so um, I'd had Paul McLaughlin in that day. Macca was a great player. I all I love Macca, but I had to let him go. And Macca said, for God's sake. So why don't you just pick up the phone? He said, he made me do the walk of shame. I've come in here, all the of office <laughs> staff, now I'm getting a boot. And I've just had the walk of shame. Why don't you just pick the phone up and tell me? So the next day, I picked the phone up and told Grant I didn't need him. And apparently, Grant is telling everybody that I got rid of him on the phone. I didn't call him in. You think I can't win this one, gonna I'm getting beat all in. So, you know, you, just, you can never You've got no chance. You know, it's yeah. the way it is, I suppose. But um, yeah, the, the, you, you, Boris always says, you know, you, it, you're never ever going to leave on good terms. If you're leaving on good terms you're false you know you've done it you've done it wrong because the player should want to stay and you should want him to go you know that's how it really should be if a player is leaving you know you're doing something wrong at the club if he wants to leave i think yeah you you don't get many
0: they, they you know you shake hands with Joe. you know your play best playing days are behind you because players don't want to hear that you know i've got as a when I was coming to the end of my playing days, I didn't want to hear that I was finished. So yeah, you're dead right, Frank, on that. Yeah.
1: I think the only one who ever wanted to leave me was Bookie, Steve Bookie. He was the only one who I tried to persuade him to stay, but he wanted to go. because um, he was stepping up a level, he was going to challenge And Bookie was a he was a um was a football league goalkeeper all day, wasn't he? All day long he would have been a football league goalkeeper and he deserved the chance and we flogged him. And then as I say, I had the choice of um Perry or shuttlewood to replace him. But I actually went for Moggy for some strange reason. I don't know why. I went for Moggy, uh, but Moggy never quite worked out. He was a good player, you know, Moggy. Of course, you had him. But I'll never yeah. forget, we had, we had Nick Henley. You remember Sven? Um, yeah. Sven, how oh, Sven never played football league is beyond me. He was at Chelsea with Dave Lean and got released. But he was colossal um, for me as a centre-back. But he got injured, um, really seriously injured and had, had to stop playing. But he, um, we were playing Cambridge City first game of season when we got promoted, and it was Moggy's first game. And um, Sven <laughs> had put shaving foam in Moggy's gloves before he went to go out. Because that's Sven, you know, he's daft as a brush. And oh, Moggy, I, 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 I saw it and I, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And he never blinked, Moggy. He just took his hands out of the gloves, went over, got his towel out, just wiped them down, picked up his fair pair of gloves and walked out. Never even mentioned it. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I I, I, I absolutely adored him, and I thought he was a great keeper. And then I remember I was, I was saying it to and probably Nick Henry. I was saying, you know, what a good keeper. And Nick Kenny said, yeah, just wait until you see him under the floodlights. And <laughs> <So laughs> wait until, until you turn the lights on, you'll be getting a new keeper. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, he, he he will argue with that one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, oh definitely. Great. Yeah, great, really. so, and quite rightly so. And again, he's another absolute gentleman, is he? He's a top man. Some great goalkeepers in the area. So Stuart Jones, you know, I had Stuart Jones of Western. I mean, what a tremendous goalkeeper he was as well. Um, um, well. um Shortwood Book. We were blessed with goalkeepers, weren't we? You know, there, there was we were never struggling. Having said that, Steve Cotler lent me one when I was at this one We got beat five nil in the cup and he was responsible for six of them. <laughs> um, yeah, one of them. <laughs> but no, we had some great goalkeepers, didn't we?
0: Frank, it's it's been great having you on from Payner and myself, winging it with Payner and Rico. Thanks very much, Frank Regan. Yeah, all the best, Frank.
1: Top guys, mate. Thanks very much. Thoroughly enjoyed it. See you. Take
0: See ya. care, buddy. Cheers.